We're going to talk about discipleship beyond Sundays. And so this is what I was thinking. So y'all tell me if I'm off, but basically talking about how Sundays is such a small portion or Wednesday nights. I don't know how many discipleship opportunities you have at our church. We do Sundays and then we do Sunday night and then we do Wednesday. So in the grand scheme of a week, I mean, that's really only three or four hours of church that our children have with us. And so there's a lot of time in between that they're, we're being discipled by something. But I'll just say that I'm going to start with this quote because if your house is like our house, we've had a lot of stops and starts and stops and starts and stops and starts with having good runs of family worship or spending time in the Word together. And there can be a lot of shame that builds up around that. Or maybe you grew up in a family where that was never modeled for you. So when you think about that, you're like, I don't even know where to start. That doesn't even seem like something natural. So all that to say, um, I loved this quote. This is a book from a book club that um, we're doing. I think it was from a book club, but anyway, but it's Elizabeth. But God knows the feelings of discouragement, inadequacy, and failure, which conscientious parents feel, but it was his idea to make them parents and to give them this particular set of children. He knew they would not do a perfect job. He is father to the parents and promises every kind of help they need. He stands beside them in every situation, ready to give wisdom as needed and grace to help in time of need, if only they will turn to him and ask for it. So um, I would just say that if it's your tweens or if it's the kids you're working here with at church, God has ordained that those are the ones entrusted to you. And he's the one who cares for them more than we ever will. And he also stands ready to always equip us if we will just turn to him. Um, and so really when I think about family discipleship, I always think back, it really starts with me and my husband, right? It starts with us and where our hearts are. And Deuteronomy 4.23 says, only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. So, I mean, sort of what Stephen was talking about, we can only share what we know, right? And we share what we know, and we want to talk about the things that we love all the time. And so if we are not daily feeding ourselves, if we are not daily falling more in love Jesus, that's not what we're going to talk about. And that's not going to be the overflow of our heart towards our children or um, those that we are around. And so I just think about, like, who are you in awe of? You know, who are you in awe of? Are you in awe of? I always use this example because I love football. And Georgia, I'm a Georgia fan. I went to the University of Georgia. I grew up a Georgia fan, so I love football. And we had a really good run there for a couple years. Hopefully, we'll continue running that well. But all that to say, so we got really excited. And you know what we talked about all the time because I live in the state of Alabama around a bunch of Alabama fans? We always were talking about football. We got so excited about it. We talked about it, talked about it, talked about it. And it was a really good reminder to me of that we do talk about the things we're excited about and love to talk about. And do you know who my kids cheer for? They cheer for Georgia. I mean, you know what I'm saying? So we pass down things that we're excited about. And so, you know, I really think it's just so important for us um, as those that want to pass on that truth to children, to our own children, it's that we ourselves have to be in awe of our great King and our God. And um, so just think about that and, you know, think about the ways that you're feeding your own soul and that you're keeping your soul so that you can share those things um, out of the overflow of your heart with your children. Um, so life is busy and it's really hard sometimes, especially in that um, teen to tween phase to gather together, right? Like um, my son, now that's 16, he plays football and he wrestles and then he loves to go to FCA, he plays church basketball, 
trying to think what all the things he does. I feel like there's somewhere he has to go, like all the time. Always wanted to go somewhere. And plus, he just likes to go places with his friends all the time. So he's always going. And then my middle school daughter, um, her schedule's been a little bit lighter this year. But last year, she was doing cheer and she was doing, you know, lessons or whatever. And then you've got my 12-year-old little boy. You know, he's still a little bit, I mean, he's in sixth grade. So he's not doing as many, he doesn't do as many things as them. He's home more than they are because he's not quite as, you know, often about. But all that to say, it's really hard sometimes to find time, consistent time as a family to all be together. Maybe that doesn't resonate with y'all. But even it's hard to find time where children all come to church because in our community, and I don't know about y'all's, there's this one little basketball league. It makes me crazy. All of their games are on Sunday. Why you would do that drives me crazy. So they start at 12, but what does that mean? Oh, well, if it starts at 12, we've got to skip out a little early because we've got to get lunch, we've got to get to our game. So you miss out on all these like opportunities with the kids at church, but also those families are running their kids to practices 24-7. Um, so this is from Hebrews, and it just says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And I love in all of these verses where there are things for us to do, we're always reminded that who is faithful, right? God is faithful. He is the one at work in us. He's the one at work in our children. He is the one at work. So let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as it is the habit of son, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Um, and so I just think about that and saying like, don't give up. Don't give up. Like, I feel like sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, we're never going to have a family meal together again because we're like, or whatever it is, or we're not, or these kids are never going to show back up at church, whatever it is, but don't give up. He who called them is faithful, and also let us encourage one another to keep drawing near. Let us keep trying and trying and trying again. Um, and so this is the verses, Colossians 3, 12 through 17. It's right before where it says, you know, how um, husbands should treat their wives and children should obey their parents and all this. But I loved thinking about this beforehand because it reminds us again of who we are in Christ, right? And because of who we are in Christ, how then that shows out in our lives with each other, in our church communities, but also within our families. Um, and when you get down to this part, it says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So like that sort of sounds like the ideal family worship, right? Like when you think about it, let's all sit down together around the table. We will open the word and we will sing. And maybe some of your homes do that. Our family has never nailed that. We have tried, and we have not nailed that yet. I wish I could say we could. So we are not always doing those things, but are we having moments of being in the Word together? Yes. Are, am I having moments with my children where I'm praying? Yes, we are doing those things. But it doesn't look always exactly like in a tight little pretty bow. But these are the things that we want to be part of our home life and a part of the way we are discipling our children um, because that's what the Scripture has told us to do, and, and that should really be, I guess what I'm getting at is, it's really an overflow of our heart. Um, and so, like, I laugh because my husband is always singing. Um, he always sings in the morning. <laughs> All through the house. And I'm always like, okay, do we have to sing? It's like 6.15. He's like, the Lord calls us to make a joyful noise. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, anyway, I'm just kidding. But I do appreciate that he loves to sing, and I do laugh about that. So, anyway, I just hope that we all see that this comes out of an overflow in I just, you know, just out of that overflow of our hearts. So everything can be discipling us, which is sort of a sad phase 
of life, but especially with our little tweens and teens, they're just think about all the places that we all go all week. And I mean, y'all are in a college town, so I feel like it could be even crazier what tweens and teens kind of could be exposed to here. Birmingham, same thing. But these are just all the different places that I thought of that our families, our kids, they go, and all of these things influence them. So their friends at school are going to influence them. Um, the people they're around on their sports teams, in dance lessons, they're, you know, if they have jobs, our 16-year-old worked, you know, this summer as a lifeguard, so he was around all sorts of people. Um, and then social media, which can do anything don't get on social media um i'm like do not do it so i feel like that is like totally disciples us and our children the social media for our kids and so those are all things that the world is trying to to form our children's lives right and so this is the thing we're in the world not of the world like until he comes back the weeds are going to grow up amongst where our children are flourishing and that's part of how we get to influence the culture right so we don't want to like teach them to like fear or withdraw. We want to teach them to flourish. And that's part of what we get to do while we're discipling them, right? Because their peers need them. Their peers need Christ. And so we need them to be growing up confident of who they are in the Lord. We need to be sharing that with them in our homes so that when they go out in the world and they are being inundated with all these messages from all these other places, they are rooted and grounded in who? In Christ, right? And that's where I feel like a lot of it is we have to be Um, trusting that he who has called them is faithful, that he who has put the Holy Spirit in them, he is going to conform them. He is going to be at work in them. And so it's going to take a lot of prayer and trust, but um, just knowing that these are the things that are discipling our children and we need to be aware of during the week and be having lots of conversations with them. Um, And we'll get more into that, but just think about those things of where our children go and where they are being um, discipled. And then... So this is a verse that y'all have all probably heard a million times. Um, But when you think about this verse, you think about, you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall walk and talk with them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. So teaching them is a day and night thing. It's a in the car thing. It's a at the meal thing. It's a um, on the sideline thing. You know, We constantly are just talking about things and we're also just modeling things to them about what it means to follow and love Jesus. And I loved how Stephen said, you know, telling your story, reminding them of the ways that we've seen God be faithful, praying with them at test time, um, you know, sitting with them and crying when they feel alone. All of those are tiny little things along the way where you get to point them back to Christ and show them how Christ is at work in their lives. And those are all part of discipling in between um, Sundays. But this is a framework from a book called Family Discipleship by Matt Chandler and Adam Griffin. And I just sort of love the way they broke out discipleship in these little categories. Because for me, I feel like I can get like, okay, we have not sat around a table and opened up the Bible and you know, we haven't, you know, I I can get real zoned in on, I'm not doing this right. So freeze or whatever, like, you know, and it's like, no, there are all these different ways that we get to disciple our children. And I felt like this was a beautiful way of kind of breaking it out 
into ways you could, we could kind of see. So modeling, serving as a godly example for your family, living a genuine walk with God, and demonstrating true repentance where you fall short. So that's sort of like what we talked about, right? Out of the overflow of our heart, like I'm modeling sacrificing for my children. I'm modeling serving them. I'm modeling saying I'm sorry when I mess up, when I come in too harsh at them. I mean, I, talk, I think about all the times with my oldest, who's 16, that I was so focused on behavior, 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 behavior when he was little, and I would like over-discipline. I would get too mad, and I would have to go back to him and be like, I am so sorry. I was wrong. Like, I got angry at you when I shouldn't have. Will you please forgive me? And to learn to like really tell them I was sorry, not with a but, not I wish you had done this, and not... No, I was wrong. Will you please forgive me? And so modeling what it means to actually be repentant. The other funny example for that is my daughter, who's 14. She um, heard me on the phone the other day and she goes, I, I still laugh about this because she totally called me out. But I was like, I'm glad she did. But I was like venting to someone on the phone. So I was gossiping. And she totally was like, you're gossiping. <laughs> and I was like, cool, cool. Yes. <laughs> Yes, I am. And so, you know, I had to be like, you're right, and I'm wrong, and I should not do that. And it was just a good reminder of like, our children keep us humble, but also they need to see us doing those things. And so part of that in-between time really is just modeling your faith to them in a real and vulnerable way. Um, I was like talking to our pastor, uh, Robbie, who's awesome, right before this, and he was like, I mean, I think you should just tell them if dads would just sit around the table with their kids and say, this is what I'm struggling with, will you pray with me? He was like, it would go so far in a family to see a dad be able to be that humble and be like, I need the prayer of my children. And I was like, you're so right. So anyway, he was just, I was like, all the little things in between where we model that. And then time, we want to create intentional time built into the rhythm of family's life for the purpose of thinking about, talking about, and living out the gospel. So here's the thing. This we'll talk about this a little bit more too, but like thinking about your week when you know there's no like prescribed exactly this is how it has to look in the Bible. There are principles around that, but like every single family is designed and created different. And God gave us all different children and he knew exactly all the ways that our families were going to be wired. And he didn't expect you to sit in your house all day and just sit around and talk about the Bible all day in your little holy huddle. He knew that you would be out doing things, that you would have to go to work, that you would have jobs that maybe were erratic and you had to work nights and whatever. He knew all those things. And so what I think the important thing is, is to look at your life and your time and figure out those rhythms. And like I said, we'll talk about that a little bit more. But you know, he knows you and your family. Um, and then moments, like those are the things in the car rides. Those are the things when they don't make cheer and you have to sit up all night with them crying. Those are the moments where you really get to just be with them and disciple them in those moments. And those are really important times where we get to um, really have gospel, gospel center conversation with them. And then the milestones, there are big moments. And um, when I was reading this book, I was like, oh, that's such a good reminder because I'm sort of a, um, you know, I feel like different people are wired different ways. And like, I grew up in a house where like, we had birthday parties, but it wasn't like a, whoa, it's the biggest day ever. We're gonna put signs up and balloons up. And then I think other people grew up where like, Christmas is the biggest thing and birthdays are the biggest things and we're gonna celebrate big. And I'm just not really wired like that, which is probably, I mean, I just, that's just not my natural bent. But I'm like, it was a good reminder to me that in all these little milestones, those are also really great moments 
to point back to the faithfulness of God in our children's lives and help them see the things they may not see that you see of how God has been good to them and good to your family. So I just love this framework for me. It just sort of helped me to think about it. Um, but here's the thing with discipleship. It is going to take some intentionality, right? Like um, I always say I'm kind of the type of person who's lazy until I'm set in motion. So like I can kind of go along on the same path for a long time unless I'm set in motion to go a different direction. So that's not great for, um, that's not great for intentionality and diligence. So those are things that I need to work on, right? So, but it's gonna look different for all of us, okay? Like diligence and, um, and, and discipling our children is gonna look different. And I'm only saying that because I feel like a lot of times we want to compare to other families or we want someone to tell us to do this step do, 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 and we'll, you know, whatever. And I really think for all of us, it could be, it could be different. So, um, so be intentional and look for the rhythms of your life. So like in our home, I can remember there was a long season where bedtime was a beautiful time of reading Bible stories and singing songs and praying because they were all little and they were going to sleep at the same time. And now I have a 16 year old that I'm always like, please don't wake anybody up in this house. Like constantly when he comes stomping back down the hall from finishing his homework, right? So it's just two different spectrums there. And so now, you know, we try really hard to have, I'm like, we've kind of gotten to a good rhythm of like usually Monday, Tuesdays, and Thursdays. Thursdays are sometimes iffy, but we usually can all sit down and eat dinner together. And so we have this little book, which I totally left in our kitchen, but it's called Road Talk. It's by John Kwasney. And literally it's this little flip book. And I think you're really supposed to use it in your car, but it has a scripture and it has some questions. And we just leave that on the table. We flip it out. We pass it around. We read it. We talk about the questions and we pray. Now, sometimes do our kids roll our eyes? Sometimes do they give us stupid answers? A hundred percent. But, I mean, for us, that has become a good rhythm of, like, finding that mealtime. But, I mean, I have friends who are like, you know what? That would never work for us. My kids stay at school to practice till 6, whatever. So they end up doing breakfast time. So I just think look for your natural rhythms. And then um, another fun idea I've heard of, I'm just throwing out things. Y'all don't have to do these. I just think they're cute ideas, is that, like, they'll do a special thing for Sundays, um, and they'll do Sundays on Sunday and they'll sit around and have a good dessert and they'll like all talk about the sermon together or, you know, talk about what they learned in Sunday school. So those are sort of things that you can think about in your own week that might work well. Um, and then months, thinking about special things you could do. Um, and that to me, I'm like, is also such a good idea. The people who will plan family, you know, movie nights, but then maybe if y'all have heard Dave, um, David Thomas and Sissy Goff, they talk about all the good movies and books that are out there, you know, that really have gospel messages or where you could point to. So, I mean, maybe it's planning a fun movie night that like every Friday, the fourth Friday of every month, no matter what, we're all going to sit down, whatever it is. But then you could also incorporate some discipleship time in that. I would say taking advantage of Advent and Lent to me, are the great are a really great way also well I don't know for our church to link church and church and home back together so um, and from a children's ministry standpoint we've really tried hard to help our children and like our families and our children link those two together and get in a good rhythm together of doing things because those seasons help us sort of get back on track and build back in a good rhythm right so like if during Advent 
you know, you have a daily reading or you have a chain that has a scripture on it or you use the, there's a million ways you could do it. Um, at Covenant, we do a Lent devotional and an Advent devotional. And within that, every Sunday we have a special children's devotional and we link or give an activity to the families to make that Sunday a special Sunday to read and do things together. So, I mean, there's just ways to do that. But definitely, I think using those seasons as a time where you can link back and get back in a rhythm are excellent. Like, just a really good chance to do that. Um, and then have a plan. So, again, like I said, I will just go along and do no plan until I have a plan. Um, I like to blame it on my ADHD, but probably should just grow in that way. <laughs> but anyway, so, um, you know, but you got to have some sort of plan. So whether it's, you know, when I remember, like, Daryl would just say, yell out a number, one through whatever, and then he would read that psalm. Okay, so, I mean, you, whatever you want to do. That was just like a funny one, but I just remember him doing that. Um, I can remember reading Daniel in the lion's den every single night when they were little because I would be like, what do y'all want to read tonight? And it was always Daniel. And I was like, okay. I was like saying the other day, I think I used to get like almost like say it verbatim from memory because we had read it so many times. But so just have a plan. Like, like I said, right now our plan is that we have that little booklet out on the table and we're going to flip through that. That's our plan. Not, I mean, it's not rocket science, but I would definitely, whatever, whatever will work for your family, however long their um, attention span is, have a plan. Um, and there's so many good ideas. Like I read somewhere where someone would give tell their children that are older, because that's the other part of this is as they're older, we do want them to independently also be like in the word on their own, like taking hold of their faith, like spending time um, diving into the word and praying um, as little individuals that are growing up into Christ, right? Because it is that personal relationship. And so they need us to push, you know, push along and encourage in that. And so I think it was maybe Jen Wilkin or somebody I heard this and I was like, I, I want to do this. But it was like, okay, we're all as a family going to read John 1 this week. And then they would have a question from that that they would all just come back and discuss. So that way it was like helping the children that were older read on their own, think about it on their own, then come back together and discuss. And I was like, that's a great idea to help encourage that growth on their own because they do need to take hold of their faith. They do need to be learning how to read the Bible. And they're probably practicing that on church, but then are they doing that during the week at home? Um, my 16-year-old, I'm always like, how about this devotion? You want to try it? Don't, I don't think he's doing it. <laughs> I mean, you know, um, I wish he was, you know, when we asked him, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm praying. I'm like, come on, can we, you know, so that's a 16-year-old boy. And so I'm trusting that God will continue to work in him. Um, and I've seen some fruit. I always pray God will show fruit. And I'm seeing some fruit. So I'm like, yeah. And then my daughter, you know, she's so good. Like, she'll do her devotion and she'll be in there journaling. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> Not, it doesn't have anything to do with me, you know. And then I have my sweet little 12-year-old and he's like a love bug. And um, he told me the other morning, he was like, I got to get up and do my devotions. <laughs> I'm going to need you to um, have a blanket ready for me and a drink. I want to get up at six. I was like, oh, okay, Phil. That lasted like two days. So anyway, but um, I love him. But, you know, so all, I mean, the children are all different and we are trusting the Holy Spirit is the one at work yielding the growth and not me. But, um, and not my husband. So, but all that to say, just think of all the ways you can encourage them without being like me to my 16 year old. I keep moving it closer to all this stuff. Okay. I love him. He's a mess. Okay, so there's that. So all that to say. But then also connecting church and home. And um, 
As a children's person, I laugh because, you know, we would have all these take-home sheets, and then they're all still on the floor. <laughs> and so then I have this new old-school Sunday school teacher who I love. She's the best. She loves a craft. And she's like, where are all our take-home sheets, Laura? Because she's come back around. I'm like, hey, take-home sheets cost a lot of money and effort to do, and they leave them on the floor. So anyway, but the thing is that I've been reminded of, because I had a mom ask me the other day, I'm like, you're right. And so we do try to, like, tell the the – um, the parents what we're learning and I have a couple Sunday school teachers who are rock stars and they send these sweet emails to all the class and they like give them all this you know things to talk about with their kids so all that to say there are all these ways where your kids are learning things and especially those tweens and teens um, they are so funny to me and they really can think and remember and grow in what they're learning so I would say ask them questions all those things um, and then we kind of talked about Lent and Advent um, okay, so the long view. These are those everyday and mundane moments where I feel like we don't always know if what we're saying has any impact. I would say my daughter calling me out on gossip felt like she picked up on something. Another funny, I said this earlier, but they are, they are absorbing more than we realize. Um, way more than we realize. And all the things that we model for them, they are absorbing and seeing. And we may not see some of that for 30 years. You may just be planting tiny little seeds that may never really bear any fruit for a long time. But they, the Holy Spirit is at work in them. And so all those little seeds we're planting are going to grow by the work of the Spirit into things. And so in the everyday, I would say be present and available. Um, I think smartphones, again, make that really hard to be present and available, even for adults. Um, it's really easy after a long day for everybody, especially I was like being convicted of this. Um, I like a quiet house once I come home like from a long day. So if everyone is quiet and all spread back out, I'm sort of happy. I would rather not know what's happening because it's all quiet. You know, but I'm like, but we're not, we're not taking advantage of the time that we have to be together to be present and be available. Um, and I'm not saying there's not times for that quietness. But also, I'm like, you know, the days are fleeting now for me. I feel like in our family with Pearson being 16, um, and I kind of had a moment of like, oh, no, he's going to be gone. I was like, we need to plan trips so that we're forced to be. So I don't know, just thinking about ways to be present and available and with your kids. And trips aren't always the answer. But for us, I was like, that will force us all to be together. So I was thankful that my husband did let me, we planned two trips that I was like, okay, we can all be together, which I mean, he's a sophomore. I've got time. But um, okay, and be a good listener. Now, if you're like me, you can tell I like to talk a lot. I talk really fast. Um, when our children are talking to us, instead of whining, which y'all know this, I'm probably speaking to the choir. I'm just encouraging y'all to just listen. Because I don't think that we can get to the heart of what is going on with our children if we're not listening to them. And we can't really offer wise advice on how they should live then if we haven't listened to the heart behind that. Um, and... Like, again, my little middle school daughter, lots of conversations about friend drama. I was real, I'm real tired, was real tired of listening about friend drama. So I would always just want to be like, okay, let me just, let me just, talk, just cut you off and just tell you. Um, but the more that I've started to listen, I'm like, oh, hey, there's some things I need to pick up on here that we need to pray through about her own heart 
not about the friends or whatever. And so just taking the time to listen to them and pick up on the little things, because the ultimate goal of discipleship, right, is not necessarily just always change their behavior or fix the situation or get to the end, right? It's to help them know how to move back and lean on Christ. It's to tell them how to like pray or how to, you know, so we want them to start I don't know. I just think that being a good listener goes a really long way, and I think it's sometimes really hard to want to listen. It's really easy to want to fix or to want to move on or whatever. So being a good listener and praying with and for your children, you all know that, but I think it goes a long way to hear what they need and then to pray with them for what they need. Um, And even sometimes not, you know, just in the hardness of it, just praying. Um, And then depend on the Holy Spirit for wisdom because you have the Holy Spirit inside of you to give you the wisdom to parent your children. So depend on that. And then speak the gospel over them um, over and over and over and over. I think um, it is, again, uh, we live like when he showed us last night those two, you know, moral, successful. It is really easy especially with grades and school and tryout, la, 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 whatever it is, to really want to speak into those things and to have to, like, sit and be like, um, okay, my daughter, like, my older one, he's pretty social. My middle one, she's not less social but is less social. And so there's a lot of times where, like, she'll be at home on the weekend. And I'm like, what does she have friends? What's going on? You know, in my mind, I raced all these things, right? And I'm like, what I really should be glad is, is that she's here and that I can spend time with her and that we can play Bananagrams and that I have an opportunity to discipleship her, not be worried about her social status. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I have to check my heart in that. But those are the places where I'm like, we have the opportunity, again, to model and encourage and really think about the things that matter in life. And what is that? That she would be conformed to the image of Christ because that's what our goal is for our children, right? Is that they would become more Christ-like. So those are just the things to think about. And then milestones are those big, huge moments, right? We celebrate, we party, we remember God's faithfulness. And then I loved, and I was reading, you know, to encourage with like letters or just, you know, things that will help them remember God's faithfulness. And I find little letters now, it's such a lost art. And I'm like, my friend, she does this for her kids. She has a journal where she and her kids would write back and forth to each other. Um, and she just leaves it on their bedside table, and they could write things to her, and she would write things back to them, and they read them back and forth. But, um, and then I have all those sweet letters from like my grandmother on monumental moments because she wasn't there, but that are so encouraging to look back on. So all that to say, just thinking of little ways in those bigger things of life to also help use those and leverage those to point out God's faithfulness because it is our story. It is an active story. It is God working in us. Um, So just to think about that. Now, to speak just for a second, if y'all are, um, I know I'm like talking a lot and we can, we can like, I'm talking at y'all so we could also like, we can talk to each other. Um, I just loved this verse thinking about all of these things and how they've passed on the hope that was laid up for them. They've learned it and they're praying. And I love that middle part. But then when I got to the end, I had never really focused on the last, the end of Colossians 1. And it says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I told, struggling with all His energy, that He powerfully works within me. And I was just thinking about that with like these teens and tweens ages and um, 
again, like my 16 year old, I can remember like, I wanted so bad, I want him so bad to love Jesus and to go to everything at church. You know, I'm like, I work at the church. I'm like, I just want to, I want to love Jesus, I want to love Jesus. And I vividly remember one day driving down this hill um, and it was a Tuesday in the summer and they were having a Bible study at, at youth group. And I'm like, oh, you're going to Tuesday Bible study. And he's like, I'm having so much fun with my friends in the neighborhood. I don't want to go. I'm like, oh, no, no, it's Bible study. It's Tuesday. We got to go. So I go up and I get him and I'm like, oh, no, you're going. And he's like, I don't want to go. And I'm like, no, you're going. You're going to Bible study. And I'm like, I'm getting so mad about it, about going to Bible study on a Tuesday in the summer when I'm like, it's not going to be free play. Like, what am I thinking, Laura? But in my mind, I so want him to love Jesus and go to Bible study. So I go up the hill and I'm driving him down and I'm getting all mad and he's getting, we're getting like chippy with each other. And by the time we got back down to the church, I was like, I'm sorry, you don't have to go. I was like, this was about me being like, I work at the church. You should support the church. You should go to church. And also me wanting you to love church. And I'm like, this is not helping. And I'm sorry. And I'm like, you can go play with your friends. And he was like, Thank you. So I took him back up and he played with his friends. Now, I say that to say this is the same child who I'm so thankful that I've worked at the church their whole little life. So they've been drug up there all the time. And my greatest fear when I worked there was that they would resent having to go to church because I drug them there. Like, they always just had to go with me because I worked there. Um, And I'm like, I might cry saying this. But then to see that if Daryl's serving at church and I'm serving at church and whatever, and we don't ever get to really sit down in the worship service, that my three kids go in and sit and worship with their community, right? Because we're not in it alone. And the struggle and the toll for our children that we feel because we want them to know Jesus and we want them to, and we're gonna mess up a million times and we're gonna apologize a million times. Like, the one who's called them is faithful. And you have this community of believers and just the very mere fact of bringing them into the body where they're receiving the means of grace, where they're seeing the word preached, that does so much more than we probably can ever see or imagine. And then yet also we're called to do those things at home with them too. And just to know that like, it's him, it's, it's Christ at work in them, it's not us. Or yes, are we called to be diligent? Yes. Do we faithfully pray for them? Yes. But like, it is him at work in them that is drawing them. So I feel like while well, I'm saying all that, for me, it's been a loosening of, you know, like, I mean, I'm still like, do you see that direction? You want to do that? You want to pray? You want to be nice to your brother and sister because Jesus isn't working you? You want to be kind? Can we just like, come on, I need to see some fruit of the Spirit. Okay, do I still say those things? Yes, 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 yes. But also, I think it's helped me too to be like, okay, it's not all up to me. I don't have to yell at him about going to Tuesday Bible study. I mean, do I want him to go to Tuesday? Yes. But but you know what I'm saying? I think it just takes that like a little bit more freedom and it also makes it so when we're not regularly meeting together, I don't give up. We just start again. There's grace. There's joy. Like, okay, you know what we haven't done lately? I feel like we haven't sat around the table like we should because we get busy and we're sinners and we're fallen and we get distracted and we're going to circle back up and we're going to spend some time back again and we'll get back into that rhythm. And, um, and really it all goes back though to my own heart because I can tell when I'm oscillating back towards my own control, it's when... I'm not spending time with, you know, I'm moving fast. I'm like, oh, I don't have time really. This morning, I'm, I'm just going to take a quick prayer. I'm going to just move on. I can't. I don't have time to get in God's Word. I don't have time to. And I, those are the times where I see my flesh coming out and not wanting to take the time to be intentional and disciple my children and pass on the truth I know because that's not what I'm filling myself up with. I'm scrolling Instagram to try to veg out because I'm tired, which is not how I need to be. I need to turn from that. So 
Um, anyway, okay, so tell me. I know I'm sorry, I talk a lot. What y'all think? Do your, tell me y'all's ages. I should have asked y'all that first. Katie, this Katie, this is my first. I'm not, this is like, I don't normally teach like this. I normally teach kids who are yelling at me and not really listening, and I'm constantly like, so y'all have been a very attentive audience, which probably is why I'm like, <laughs> awkward. Yes, 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 yes. We were talking about uh, listening. Listening. One of the most convicting things for me is that there is no schedule to when your children will reach out to you. They, oh. will, they will start to talk to you at the weirdest time. It's the worst. <laughs> when you're in the middle of five other things, yes. you're, it's hard for me to have the patience for it, although I know I should. <laughs> and it could be in the middle when you're really angry about something. Oh, and, yes. Mm -hmm. yeah, yes. I, I just struggle with that. Well, I'm, I'm with you. I know. Okay, the angry part I get because me and my kids, especially my oldest, bless him. I hate for you, bless you firstborn. I'm glad this is all being recorded. He's going to be like, oh, gosh. Um, I love him. But he and I will butt heads, like, harder than anything. Like, I mean. And I'm not listening to him. And I'll tell you, one of the biggest fights that he and I would go back and forth on is he wanted Instagram or Snapchat so bad. Now, he does now. He's 16. And we did, which I still don't love, but did finally get him Snapchat only because in his defense, his arguments finally kind of made sense because his friends were not texting him anymore. And I was like, okay, I get our call. Like, I was like, you, and he, anyway, it was a whole thing. So all that to say, but all he wanted to do was talk about that. And he'd always be like, well, you won't talk about it with me. And I'm like, because the answer's no. And he'd be like, so, but I never was listening to him, right? Like I was getting so frustrated with him that I was never taking the time to stop and listen and be like, okay, l let me hear your heart behind this. Now I will say once I finally listened to that, and then once I was like, okay, let me look, you know, look through, I was like, you're right. Your best friend Grayer has not texted you in like weeks, you know? I was like, because they're all, which is sad. And I would always be like, you can just call him. I mean, that's what we would do, which I mean, like a 16 year old is going to pick up the phone and be like, hi, Grayer, do you want to come over and hang out? I mean, like, you know, that's not going to happen. So it's like such a rub, right? Because you want to be like old school, like do it this way. But anyway. So I would say, I mean, I don't really have great advice for you, except that I think over time, if you can stop and like say a prayer or even just say, hey, I totally want to hear this. Hold on one second and let me finish what I'm doing and I'm coming to you. Does that make sense? Like, which is, I mean, I don't know really a good answer, except that like it is just hard and there's struggles. And then also, I think it goes so far when you're like, hey, bud, I was angry. I didn't listen. Do you have time to talk? Will you forgive me? You know, I mean, I think saying I'm sorry without a but, I keep telling myself that because I say always when you're like, but you were really disrespectful. <laughs> but you were actually wrong too, so I get a pass today. I mean, you know, so I've been like trying really hard to just be like, I need your forgiveness. I do want to listen. Oh, am I supposed to be done? Y'all, I'm done. No, Daniel. I was just going to hit on that also. I mean, yeah. Uh, but I like what you said, how, uh, you know, you can just say, you know, say, hang on just a second. Let me, let me finish this. Come with me. Come on with me. Yeah, yeah. Finish whatever it is that you're doing, which is hard to do because you want to say, look, you just need to do something, 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 something. Yeah. Come on with me. Let's finish this because yeah. I want to listen to you. I want to listen to you. And I think they want, you know, that feeling of wanting to be known and heard when you're a tween and teen. Like, you... Just, you crave that. And um, I don't know. I just, that is one thing I've just been really convicted of is that I really. 
and sometimes just want to get to the next thing. that's just it. They just want to be heard. They just want to be heard. Whatever the topic is they have, it really, that don't really matter. Mm-mm. They want yeah. their mom or dad to listen to it. They just want their mom or dad to listen to it. And that's really the thing. They, they really just want you. And, and I think we sometimes think those tweens and teens, they don't want us because they act like sometimes like, what do you know? Can you just please leave me alone? But I, I've even seen that with my son um, where I was sort of trying to give him some space because I felt like he and I had been bumping heads a lot, you know? And um, so we, he had done something or whatever. And then we, anyway, it was like a whole day of Saturday where like we kind of all kept missing each other. But the other, like, because he was like going and doing stuff, but the rest of us were going to lunch or whatever. And then he texted and he was like, did y'all just all go to lunch? And I was like, yeah, but I thought you were through. But he was sad because he wasn't there. And I was like, okay. So from now on, I try to remember, like, if, the, you know, I know he's going somewhere, I'll just say, hey, where are you? We're about to go to lunch. Do you want to come? And he'll be like, yeah. And I'm so thankful, you know, but like, it took me stopping to like see him for what was really going on and not just assume, like, oh, you don't want to hang out with us because you want to hang out with all your friends. And I'm like, no, he's still even though he acts like he's too cool for us. He likes us sometimes. I'm just kidding. He does like us. He's, he's so sweet. I really am like, you are so sweet, Pearson, if you ever listen to this. He is. He is very sweet. He is like so sweet. It's his mother and father probably who are the problems, not him. He's awesome. But um, so anyway, yeah, listening is hard. I'm sorry. I don't have a good answer. <laughs> Except to struggle through it and when you mess up, say you're sorry. But I do, but, I, you know, for tweens and teens, like you just want to be the place where they come and where they want to say all the things. And I, my mom modeled that really well for me because she was always the place that I could dump, like after school or whatever. And um, I just think from a young age, like building that in that you're the place to come to to be able to dump the things and that you, that, and because I say that because there'll be a day when they have to come to you with something they've done bad or they've messed up and if they don't feel like they can come to you, they're going to come somewhere else or they're going to try to cover it up. And you just always want to be that soft place where they know you know the grace of Christ, you know that you've been forgiven, and that they can be forgiven, that there's nothing too far that God can't redeem or heal. And they only know that as we've been vulnerable and honest and drawn them in to our stories and been a safe place for them to come. And that just takes less. I mean, you know, it's so hard. I mean... Is so hard, and I just that's always been one of the things I'm like, I just want to cultivate a place where they know that they can come and that they'll receive grace.